we are we live i feel like we're live are we live we're live hey welcome everybody this was this week's uh dc and ecom master class nice to see you this week's topic is very common bad advice uh you see me talk a lot about on the internet if you ever watch me on the internet talking to people on twitter or instagram or wherever else really trying to compete against a lot of very bad advice. There are a lot of very smart people that actually don't really know what they're doing and they're putting the wrong things putting forward. So what we're really gonna cover today is some of what I like to call the worst practices. What are some of the most popular people, some of the biggest experts in the field? What are some of the most respected folks talking about over and over and over again that is causing more and more problems for a bunch and bunch of people. So we're really gonna get down to that today. We're gonna cover three big individual topics and then take obviously like we do everything a week, questions from the audience. We're gonna do that here on YouTube as well as on Facebook in the group and the page. And of course, my friends here on Clubhouse. So please ping people into the room if you wanna do it and share with your friends. And if you're watching this later on, don't you worry. There's something else in it for you. Every week we do give homework. And if you do that week's homework, you can get 50% off anything on facebookdisruptor.com or access to the Patreon for 50% off. Or you can get any of the ebooks from facebookdisruptor.com for free. So check it out. It's fun. Sometimes uh, I, I, this last week, I had one guy literally every single day just do another homework and another homework and another homework. And he got like all the stuff for free. And then he ended up joining the Slack. So uh, good stuff. You know, if, if you don't want to know, if you, if you don't want to, Commit to something without knowing what's going on. You really want to see if it's truly the best thing to do. There's a way to get it for free. But anyway, with all of that being said, thank you very much. Let's get into it today. Facebook, worst practices, very common, bad advice. Let's get to it. Point number one. All right. Point number one, attribution. Now, obviously, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm not obviously. Let me not say that. I talk a lot about one day click and seven day click and one day view and 30 day view and all of these different attribution models. But today I want to cover attribution in a different methodology. Now I cover this a lot in my course and it will be in the uh, Facebook MBA ads program, um, which is my training module for, for high-end advertisers. But let me get down to the bottom of the biggest issue I see most people presenting for themselves when it comes to attribution. They're doing what's called bottom-up attribution. And what this really means is a purchase occurs or a lead happens. And then they tie that, they say that occurs and they try to go up the chain of command and see who gets credit. Now the bottom line is this is impossible. There's no two users that absolutely behave in the fundamentally the exact same way. There's no way that you can control or that you can predict the way that users are going to behave. Ultimately, you can do this in a directional fashion, but there is no way to truly measure point by point by point. What they call multi-touch attribution is something that very, very smart companies have spent billions of dollars and decades to try to solve, and nobody's been able to do it because it's not a problem that can be solved. It's like, what's the square root of a bowl of cereal? Like, it's not a question you can legitimately answer, right? Uh, these are fun things that people are hopefully going to see, but ultimately never able to actually solve for because the way they're trying to solve for that problem is invalid. So what does this actually mean when it comes to Facebook or into other digital advertising platforms? It means that when you get a purchase, you cannot assign credit to any specific channel. Now I said this on Twitter yesterday and somebody came up and like, oh, I'll remember that next time I click on a billboard to make a purchase. And absolutely, they were mocking me, but they 100% made my point. You're not going into the store and purchasing because that salesman inside the store got you to come into the store and make a purchase, right? That salesperson inside the store got, you know, took your money, maybe pushed you over the edge. And you might've seen some Facebook ads. You might've seen some billboards. You might've seen television ads. I remember as a kid growing up on the East coast of, of the United States, you drive up and down I-95 and there are these billboards for this place called Pedro's. Now, Pedro south of the border is in between North Carolina and South Carolina. It's this big like roadside attraction. Now, if they didn't have all these billboards, you'd be able to say, yeah, the reason that I stopped at Pedro's and spent some money was because I walked into the store. But I wouldn't have known it if I didn't see these billboards for miles and miles and miles. The point is the billboard didn't make the sale. The billboard made me interested. Me stopping at the store maybe also leveraged some stuff. My experience with that place also leveraged some stuff. My History with that brand and also being there a few times also leveraged some stuff. And the salesperson in the store probably also does make some credit for the sale. The point is 
There's no one specific place that you can assign credit for that sale. So it's not just the Facebook ad that made it work. It's not just the Google ad that made it work. It's not just the brand awareness campaign or the influencer group that made that sale for you. So when we're talking about attribution, we have to do is what's called top down attribution. It means that when I spend money, how far down the chain can I track a user and how efficiently can I do it? And can I increase the quality of that user journey and the quality of that user? Because if you bring higher quality individuals into your store, every other channel will improve. Now, Facebook's unfair advantage of the marketplace is that it creates intent at scale. So Facebook is the number one tool on the face of the planet since the dawn of humanity at creating intent. It looks at literally billions of users across millions of websites, 24 hours a day, and trillions of data points to fundamentally control users' journeys. Now, what this means is Facebook is one of, if not the num number one um source of creating intent and awareness, like those billboards for Pedro south of the border that we were talking about. Now, what we're getting to here is if you can make Facebook more efficient at driving people into your store and you can lower your costs per conversion by increasing your estimated action rate and driving a higher quality user, what ends up happening is your email campaigns improve, your Google campaigns improve, every other channel improves because the people that you're retargeting, the people that are in your CRM list, the people that have shown interest in your brand are higher quality people. Let me give an example for this. If I'm talking about trying to sell Ferraris, now I only go after very high-end individuals, I'm probably going to do pretty well. But if I say, hey, look, I'm going to sell Ferraris by doing test drives, and then I go to college students on their first day that don't even have their student loan money yet and say, hey, look, every one of you can get a free test drive inside that Ferrari. How many sales do you think I'm going to get? I'm going to get a lot of users. I'm going to get really cheap clicks. I'm going to get into CPC and CTR later. I'm going to have a very high conversion rate on the interest, but I'm not actually driving good quality users. And that's a very important thing. So when we're talking about attribution, it is more about where you can get the user from the dollar that you spend and get a higher and higher quality user by lowering your average cost and then measuring that performance across your entire ecosystem. This is what we call ecosystem ROAS. Now I've been talking about this for years and years and years. And honestly, I was called a troll in 2017, a troll in 2018, a troll in 2019, a troll in 2020, and then come 2021, everybody starts talking about MER, which is quite literally the, is, is quite literally the ecosystem ROAS model that I've been preaching when these other folks started building up their agencies and ignoring the best practices that me and Facebook were teaching them built off the case studies that we've been doing together for nearly a decade now. So my point here is one of the first things that we're covering is worst practices, very bad advice, is do not look at the Facebook ROAS number as a source of truth. It is a directional piece of information and directional improvement is far more important than a short win, an easy win. And that is a very, very, very important thing that I need you to understand. And that'll fundamentally improve your online advertising. And again, this is a big thing. There's a whole like section on it inside the MBA program. Um, and I, and you know, if you want to get in on that, let me know. It is not cheap and it is not for everybody, but that's just another thing we're talking about. But again, it's the ecosystem ROAS. If you want to know more about the ecosystem ROAS, go to Google and just type in Facebook disruptor ecosystem ROAS. There is hours of video of me talking about this going back years. So next time somebody's trying to sell you on something, when they say, well, I just saw Taylor yesterday, for instance, tweet out, well, this is the impact on seven day click, one day view and one day click metrics after the iOS 14. And you have all these big hyperbolic numbers and then the one day click number is basically flat because it's the actual source of truth. When you're looking at what I like to call alternative truth, alternative facts of like long tail attribution and all these other things where you're taking credit for other people's work, which is the foundation of most ad agencies like Common Thread Collective and stuff that Nick Shackelford's doing and David Hermain and Gil David and all of these folks, Andrew Foxwell, they preach this version of a very myopic view of the ecosystem where their number one motive is to look as good as possible because they make money on the, on the, um, they make a commission on your ad spend. So their number one objective is to look as good as possible. An ad agency's job is to make the person that hired them look good. I also have a video on why I got fired from an ad agency because I did a really good job for the client. I saved the client a quarter million dollars in a single day ad spend because I was managing like, you know, a million bucks a day. Um, and I got fired for it. Um, and it's because the alignment of honesty and integrity and good business is not 
the way that most ad agencies operate. So something to keep in mind there. Now, second thing that we're going to get into here is cost cap. Now, I see this all the time, big caps and everything. People are like, man, cost caps are great. Big caps are great. And you know what they are? And they are, they absolutely can help out, but they're very, very miscommon. They're very, very commonly misused. So another worst practice, very common bad advice is using cost caps all over the place or relying on it as your core of your, pro of your program. Now I hear it all the time. Yes. Well, my cost caps are doing really good. And then the same people are saying, well, my ads only really work for five or six days. And then I got to try new ones. I have a really unstable ad account. But every time I run the cost cap, it, it does work well. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And really, honestly, Facebook's just unstable. And that's because you're creating your own problems, especially if you're laying cost cap on top of interest groups or lookalikes. So let's get down to the bottom of why that is. So first off, cost cap was designed from the beginning for two versions, right? Or all manual bidding. One was to be able to force spend cost cap. The original version of it, manual bidding, was used so that you could pick a price of your inventory on brand awareness campaigns before the Facebook pixel existed. This is what I was doing back when I was spending a million dollars a day for CBS, is I would say, I'm willing to spend $4 CPMs to reach people to promote this show. And I would say manual bid, accelerated delivery, $4 bid, uh, and I would get as much inventory as possible for that price. So that is where the, the manual bid comes from. Then once they brought in the Facebook pixel and they brought in conversion campaigns, people started to apply that. And then we got target cost and we got cost cap. These additional versions of a manual bid. Now, the idea behind these is Facebook understands who your user is, so it's just going to not let you pay more than that. Now, that does sound really good, right? It sounds really smart, and it does get you immediate returns, even though it fundamentally inhibits your overall growth. Here's why. Cost cap relies on predictive bidding, right? And, and Facebook needs to be able to, with a high degree of certainty, predict what users are going to do. Now, every time it gets that wrong, it takes a little bit less of a risk and a little bit less of a risk and a little bit less of a risk, which ultimately means that once your ads reach only the people that Facebook has the utmost confidence of actually converting, it's going to stop delivering and it's going to get more and more expensive. Have you noticed how your cost caps after a few days, your ads start to rise in price and your delivery starts to get lower and lower and lower? It's because you've said, I don't want you to actually go out and learn. I want you to take your learnings and go Go after only the things you have the absolute most confidence in delivering. I don't want you to improve. I want you to only do as good as possible. And if you can't do well, I don't want you to spend. And then when it stops doing well, because it's running out of people that it feels like is super confident, it stops spending and it gets super expensive. It's doing exactly what you told it to do. Now, a lot of experts, quote unquote, will say to use this because it does give you really good performance right away at heavily diminishing returns. And so then you face this thing of like, well, cost cap doesn't really work. Facebook doesn't really work. I'm just going to, I mean, it's the only way I can get cheap enough. So I'm just going to keep dumping in new creative and they're only going to work for four or five days. And yeah, because that's only how long Facebook is able to use that. Because and remember, when you're cost cap, when you're doing predictive bidding, what it's ultimately doing is it's creating a circle uh, you know, inside the whole Facebook universe. There's this, there's this big giant square of everybody in the Facebook universe. Cost cap is going to say taking the ads that you have, it's going to make a little circle of saying these are the people we think we can actually get. Now, when that circle is also laid over with maybe a lookalike audience or an interest group, now Facebook's only targeting at the Venn diagram of those two circles of that lookalike audience and that or that interest group and the retargeting audience, whatever. And then the people that it thinks that that ad can actually convert at the price you're trying to do. So now you're taking the entire Facebook universe and shrunken it down to just the overlap between two circles. And remember, those are the only people that... Facebook has confidence in, not necessarily the people that are actually going to buy. And remember that if you're getting a conversion out of a thousand, one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000 people, like that may or may not be what is good enough for you. Like if you're getting a $20 CPM with a target sale price of $50, that's two and a half thousand people. Now that overlap between those two circles is say a hundred grand. You're not going to be able to make many sales. You're going to be fundamentally limited. At best, you're going to get what, 40? And you're probably not even going to reach all of them because they may or may not be online. They might not even be the people that want to buy from you. And it might not be the right time for them to do it because now you're constraining Facebook from being able to even make the overall customer journey for you. So you are limiting your possibility of users that are actually going to be successful to reach. And you're paying more and more money to reach them over time because now that predictive engine is getting worse and worse and getting more and more desperate. So then you ultimately see 
less and less spend or higher and higher costs. And so then you start playing the game of like raising and lowering your cost caps, all of that stuff. It is a much harder way of working. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do lowest cost bidding. You're supposed to generate high amounts of volume in a very stable way. If you do lowest cost bidding against a very big audience, like going broad, then you're able to deliver a consistent result. And if you need incremental performance, or if you want to find additional users for slightly more efficient to help you lower your overall cost, you can use cost cap that way. It's meant to be incremental. It is not meant to be the core of your uh, overall ecosystem. Last thing about cost cap, if you're then layering on lookalikes, what happens when you change your audience? What happens when you change your ads? I mean, well, if you've built a cost cap campaign and you're trying to predict the future on how people can respond to your advertising, and then you make a lookalike off of everybody that's bought from before around your existing advertising, and then you change your ad. If everybody that bought from you before was buying because you were lowest cost, and like you're buying like, hey, it's only $19.99. And you got a bunch of users that bought on only $19.99. And then you make a lookalike of those users that bought off of only $19.99. And then you say, hey, look, well, this one's made in America. That's a completely different sales pitch. So it's a completely different sales pitch to which a completely different audience. Because remember, your ads do the targeting. So that ad is now fundamentally eliminated being able to be useful to the majority of that audience. So then you're trying to do predictive bidding on a lookalike audience for a completely different sales pitch. And then you see people online complaining all the time about how Facebook is unstable, about how it's ineffective, about how it brings diminishing returns and isn't trustworthy. It's because they fundamentally misunderstand how the platform works. They haven't actually thought through the entire process. And those people, many of them either know what they're doing is wrong and they still tell people how to do it, which in which case, shame on them, or they don't know, which means they have specifically chosen to ignore the lessons that folks like myself and Facebook have been teaching them for years. In which case, the folks that you see that are quote unquote experts that are trying to sell advice and are always selling, why do you have to sell? Because you don't have good relationships with clients. If you have good relationships with clients, you don't need to sell all the time. You're in no need to sell because you're too busy satisfying the needs of the customer base that you have. If folks are always selling and they're always complaining, do not take advice from them. And I would say the majority of the folks that I see on, you know, marketing Twitter and inside of clubhouse rooms and on Instagram preaching advice are always selling to get new clients. They're always complaining about something that's going wrong. And they're always saying the same exact bad advice that was wrong five years ago. And it's still wrong today because even though we have the iOS 14 issue and everything else, there is nothing different inside the way the platform works. It is still fundamentally built around two core elements. Number one, they prioritize the scientific method. Number two, they sell attention for profit. If you leave that truth as how you're running the platform, then you're never going to be worrying or wondering about how to apply things. It's just how to take your overall arching, like, what is my North Star? How do I accomplish that? Simple, easy stuff. Google, on the other hand, their objective is to get somebody off the platform for as quick as possible. Their number one objective is to get charged as much as possible for a click so that somebody leaves Google as fast as he can. That is a fundamentally different thing, which is why we do not use all the Google best practices on Facebook. They're different platforms. We don't need retargeting. We don't need actolites, or in this case, lookalike audiences. We don't need interest groups or affinity audiences. We don't need all of these carryovers from Google that were ultimately put into Facebook so that Google advertisers would adopt the platform like seven years ago. But once Facebook adopted the predictive algorithm, the optimized CPM, the edge rank system, once, if you remember back in the day, you used to see every single post in chronological order. Once that went away, how you use Facebook no longer match how you use Google. And people that have not adopted that change are fundamentally a liability to your success. Last point we're gonna get to is what I like to call vanity metrics, garbage metrics for garbage thinking. Now I'm saying that in a hyperbolic way because I really wanna drive the point home. So here are a couple metrics that I see people talking about all the time that have absolutely fucking nothing to do with your success. Number one, cost per click doesn't matter. I don't care what the cost per click is because ultimately I also don't care what my click-through rate is because ultimately I also don't care what my CPM is. Ultimately, these are outputs. These are not the things that you can control. Therefore, these are not the things that you need to give a fuck about because they're honestly have nothing to do with your cost per acquisition. That is the thing that actually matters, the cost per result. 
That's the only thing that truly matters. And you can stabilize your cost per result and improve your cost per result by actually giving a fuck about your customer and leaning into the way the platform works. So if you do creative testing against a very broad audience and you prioritize lowest cost, and you prioritize stability and implementing the scientific method instead of trying to get lucky and chasing down these other things that you don't have control over in actionable data, then you're going to see better and better, more stable and more definable results that are repeatable over time that you can ultimately improve. Because remember, directional improvement is far better than a short-term win. Last point to this, and I'm sure I'll get questions about it, and feel free to comment below if you're watching this in a week or raise your hand in the clubhouse room if this isn't doing it for you. If you're watching live right now, Punch into the, the comment section because I'll answer them for you. CPC is irrelevant as a metric inside of Facebook because it's an optimized CPM platform. You don't care what it costs per click because you do not have control over the conversion rate. You don't care about the click the rate of the ad because you don't have control about the delivery of the inventory. I'm going to drive this home in a different way. What you care about is what you're bidding on. You're bidding on lowest cost result. Now, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, well, my CPC, there's no way I can make money at $10 CPC. Okay, fine. Well, you're looking at the output of something, right? Like, well, there's no way I'm going to win a race if my car only goes 55 miles an hour. And it's like, well, it's not like, well, I'm just going to make the car go fast. It's like, you have to fix the engine, you have to fix the tires, you have to get a better driver. There's a bunch of other things that actually create that change. And you're going to be able to actually see the output of the metrics that you can control in a far more actionable way than looking at these things that are honestly just nice numbers to have. And the reason people talk about it comes down to one simple reason. Again, ad agencies make their money by making the person that hired them look good to their boss. That's their job. One of the ways that you can look good, especially if you don't understand how the platform works, is throwing a bunch of data on a bunch of sheets so that you can make things that don't actually matter something that looks good if that's the sales pitch you want. Any data set, any PowerPoint presentation, any deck that you show your client can be manipulated with the data to tell any story you want. Believe me, I used to spend, like I said, a million dollars a day. It would take me 20 minutes to set up a million dollar a day campaign. It would take me a week and a half to build a deck to make the client feel good about it. Now, let me tell you about that. Just, just break that down for one more second because this goes to the core theory here. It wouldn't, it would take me less than a half an hour to do the work. It would take me over five days to prove that that work was of any value. That is where the majority of the time and effort goes when people are chasing down these CPCs and CTRs. And what that fundamentally did is it taught people to start to really care about unactionable, inactionable data points and things that you cannot control and things that ultimately do not matter for success. CPM is an output of estimated action rate and your audience size. Your CPC and CTR, your cost per click and your cost, uh, your click through rate, those are all outputs of the quality of your creative and the cost of the inventory. The cost of the inventory is directly actionable. You go broad unless there is an incremental reason why making Facebook dumber and focusing your platform, your advertising on a specific audience is good for you. There are absolutely cases where that works. And I'm not saying that you should go broad with every single campaign and every single dollar all of the time. But I think that that's probably the easiest solution for most people to do to improve their campaign right now. My point there is, if you cannot take action on it, if you're not bidding on it, and if it doesn't mean anything for your overall success, then all it is is a data point that allows you to justify some uh, message that you're trying to get across. The reason people care about CPCs and you're showing in a report is because it's an excuse they can make for bad performance. Nobody ever says, well, our CPAs are killing it. You're making more and more money. Your Shopify store is seeing top and bottom line growth and we're doing great. And that's because of the click-through rate. Nobody says that. They talk about the CPA. You, you, you focus your conversation around the actionable data that makes you look good. Right. When the client is seeing better and better results every single month and they're just fucking killing the game, they don't give a damn about the cost per click on a Facebook ad. You can say, well, this one ad is getting this cost per click and they're spending one hundred dollars a day. Like, well, yeah, but you went from five hundred, uh, you know, five hundred a day to five thousand a day. I don't give a shit about this one ad. How's the whole ecosystem? My point is unactionable data used to prop up ego in a way that is not applicable to the way platforms function is a complete fucking waste of time. And if you see any expert talking about getting better CPCs, better, Nick Shackelford is huge on the cost per ad to cart. Fucking does not matter. 
right? No relevance there. That's a metric where if you actually are going to care about it, it's because you built out everything else and you're actually trying to worry about your landing page, in which case it's not even a Facebook side of an issue. That's your Google Analytics and your site side and your conversion rate optimization that you need to worry about and higher quality ads at the top of the funnel with your broad targeting for creative testing. Again, cost per ad the cart, not an actual point. It's an excuse you can make to look good and feel smart about making a lot of decisions that are actually impairing your ability to see success long term. What is the actionable insight on a high ad to cart? Well, I'm going to turn that ad off. Okay, good. Did it get enough conversions to leave the learning phase? Are you reliable on is it is the data set that you have out of that reliable for you to make a good decision? Is that so that you can just continue to churn through ads because your ads aren't working for you because you're not actually letting that data set build up over time and you're trying to chase down short wins because maybe you're using cost caps inside of lookalikes and chasing your tail and solving the same problem year after year after year? The solutions they're providing are band-aids to the symptoms of their overall fundamental misunderstandings of the platform. That is why those people are liabilities. And anytime that they talk about that shit, I will approach them. Um, and, and you know, that does get a lot of people upset with me. But hey, look, my I do not care that listening to me is bad for business for people that you are taking advantage of. If your business model is built around predatory business practices and a lack of personal integrity and an unwillingness to grow as an individual and be, serve your clients in a better way, then I will fundamentally approach you and challenge you when you try to take advantage of that. Like Andrew Foxwell releasing a $1,000 90-minute podcast, interviewing folks, multiple people about like what he was doing. Now that is, he's interviewing six people, so it's what, a 15-minute conversation with folks. How much are you going to learn in, act in actionable information on 15 minutes? Maybe a lot. But when you start to talk to people that own ad agencies, not even the people that are actually doing the work, people that actually talk about how they're not the ones doing the work or folks that are not applicable on the platform that you're talking about for a thousand dollars. And then you get data and spreadsheets so you can start to take action to justify all of the bad information and then get a discount on more bad information. So fuck him. Anyway, that is, uh, that's the class for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I went a little bit over here. So I'm a little under the weather. So I just kind of went off on something. Plus I really, really fucking hate these people. Like it's just, it is a toxic culture around spend and around um, ego that is crippling people's opportunity for success and happiness in their business. That is something I will not stand for. Um, also, a lot of these folks have made a decent amount. Tim Bird specifically has sold my work as his own in like a 20 minute sales pitch for like $700, $800, like multiple times. I, I just, they're fucking used car salesmen and they either know what they're doing is bad, in which case shame on them, or they don't know what they're doing is bad, in which case you shouldn't listen to them. Anyway, that is what we got going on today. Now, I do want to break down because every week we do give the homework in case you want to get 50 percent off the Slack, the Patreon or any of the ebooks. Or if you want to get one of the ebooks for free, which honestly, why would you get 50 percent off the ebook? If you can get the ebook for free, you might as well do that. Um, so your homework for today is very simple. I would love for you to tell me which one of these worst practices do you think that you are currently relying upon? That's it. That's, that's all that we need to do. I want to help you start to identify liabilities in your, in, in your thinking, in your structure. Lessons that you have taken from people that don't know what they're talking about that, that may have worked for a short term but are fundamentally impairing your long-term stability and growth. What is impairing your path to success what is adding stress and instability? What is a liability for your success? Now we've talked about attribution model. Are you doing bottom up or top down attribution? We talked about cost cap. Are you leaning on predictive bidding as something other than incremental to baseline performance? Is it the core of your business model or is it the slight tweak because you've already maxed out efficiency doing other best practices? Or CPC and CTR, are you measuring inactionable results? Things that you cannot improve directly that are outputs of other things to justify decision making that ultimately itself is a liability to your overall success. Let me know. You can DM me. You can comment. You can do however you want to reach out to me. My, uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Both CT the Disruptor. I'm on TikTok. CT the Disruptor. I'm on YouTube. The Facebook Disruptor. I'm here. Of course, on Clubhouse, but you can't DM me there. Anyway, with all that being said, please feel free to raise your hand, ask some questions, do whatever. I see a lot of people watching on YouTube today. 
But uh, no questions from YouTube today, which is usually interesting. By the time I get out of the lesson, I have a lot of questions. And maybe that's why I kind of rambled on longer because I wasn't seeing more stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm going to sip my coffee because I don't think I've actually inhaled in like 25 minutes. And I'm surely a little dry in the throat. So raise your hand if you have to ask a question. If you'd like to use this time, uh, post it inside the comment group. I'd love to see y'all's. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take a sip here real quick and uh, let me know how I can help. Oh, I was about to bring Israha, and I think um, something went south. Hey, Boone, me, nice to see you. All right, let's see. Oh, here she comes. Okay. Let me raise this volume up so the people on the internet can hear. Hello. I can hear you. Okay, I have a question. Um, I've been following you, and I love your advice and everything, but I had a question because I don't even want to um, I'm not an agency at all, and I hate agencies, so I'm not that, but I do have clients that I work with, and a lot of them struggle with um, hiring Facebook as um, freelancers or agencies or whatever you want to call it, and, you know, I can see their struggle because I understand I understand the cost that it takes to hire these people and a lot of them have very high costs and they don't guarantee results and I don't want to put them in a position where I recommend somebody who is not, um, you know, who, who I can't trust. So my question to you is how can I direct these clients or how do I vet Facebook as experts or do you offer anything that I can direct them to because this is a really big struggle for me. Uh, when it comes to my clients. No, I, I think that that's a great question. And I love where you're coming from. If I can try to repeat this so I can understand what you're saying and then I can answer it to make sure that I'm on the same page again. You work in marketing. You've got a lot of clients. You personally don't offer Facebook ad service, but you know that they do. They need it. And you're seeing a big struggle with a lot of these folks that basically are trying are struggling to find good folks in this space. Is 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 that a... Is that a fair assessment of, of the problem that you're seeing? Yes, and it's very, these agencies are charging high costs. Like, uh, let me give you an example. Um, you know, I'm an email marketing uh, strategist, and I work with them, and I built their system on their back end, and I help them stabilize their business so that they can scale comfortably with ads. However, like when it comes to my services, they get nervous with the payments I have, even though, you know, I take in consideration for e-commerce, especially um, because I know the profit margins on there. But they're willing to like hire these Facebook ad agencies that are taking 20, 30 percent of their profits or revenue that they're spending. And I just think it's ridiculous. Um, but they're not giving them the results that, you know, they should be getting them. Because I've, I've ran my own ads. I understand the platform. I get what, you know, how things should be run. But I don't, I just can't recommend any good agency. So I just want to know what am I looking for when I am vetting or recommending somebody to my clients? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. So first off, when we're talking about ad agencies and trying to really understand who to work with or providing solutions, I think there are two big pieces I would look for. Number one... I would really question the client to see like, is this something you think you can take in house? And if you don't feel confident, is that something that you would rather invest in knowing yourself? Or if you want to just pay somebody else? And, and the right answer is different for everybody. Um, because I think a lot of folks, if you don't know what somebody is doing, then it's really hard for you to appreciate good work or recognize bad work. So my first question to those folks would be, is this something that you would like to do yourself? And is that something you're willing to invest in understanding? And if that's the case, then, I mean, there's a lot of folks that can do that. You can obviously send them to me. I've got training classes for agencies. I help people with this stuff all the time. And I think that a lot of folks are like, I know that I need to do that. I don't understand it all. I just want to pay somebody else. But the cost of paying somebody else might be four, five, $10,000 a month. And honestly, like I like there, are, I can recommend several solutions that teach people how to run Facebook ads that are far cheaper than that, 
where you ultimately walk away with intellectual value. So you can understand what's going on. So even if it becomes too much work for you, when you do talk to individuals, you're able to address that expert because in a way that is helpful for you because you're hiring them because you understand how to do the work. You just can't do it based on the scalability of your time and efforts. Um, and, and so with that being said, uh, again, I, I, I would always ask them, why are you going out of house? Um, and if you don't need to, would you rather spend that time and effort over the next 90 days or the next six months, whatever, training somebody in the house to be able to do that job well so that you don't need to rely on somebody or so that when you do rely on somebody, you can understand what they're doing so that you have a much higher you know, chance for success. Like if you go to an expert that does something that you don't understand, that person can charge you anything for as long as possible. And then you're going to have to go to the next person and the next person and the next person. And it really sets up this cycle of bad relationships and bad experiences. And that's ultimately a big liability to, to businesses. So, um, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll do one little thing. Like for me personally, um, so I yeah. I to jump in and explain this. So yes, that's a, so I always recommend in-house. I say, you know, hire your own person, train them, and get them to do what you want them to do. But the problem is for me with that is I need to know who, what kind of courses or who to go to. I'm guessing, you know, I'll connect with you off of this platform. Um, just to have, like, if, if that is an option because they don't want to pay an agency to take the risk, um, and then they want to hire somebody in-house, I will say hire somebody who knows the platform but isn't, like, fully versed yet because then you can train them the way you want to train them to run your ads and your, you know, understand your business model. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that, and I think yeah. some folks also – know that they need it, aren't quite sure exactly how to do it well and need some training in there. And I think that there are some good solutions for that. I know that I have a solution for that. I call it my Facebook MBA program. Um, it's like a 90 day intensive course to train up anybody to basically be dropped them in as like a senior level ad agency individual, sort of like coding schools, right? Like if you want to go to Lambda school or something like that. Now for the other um, side of this question that you had is, when you are going out to agencies, how do you know if the people are actually talking well or actually above board or somebody that you want to trust? So I, what I can do more is give you red flags of things to avoid. I can't necessarily tell you everything that you want to hear. But what I will say is for agencies that you can trust, who are the, what do those people have in common? They're not going to talk to you about... Uh, first off, their business model is performance incentive based. They're going to charge you a nice little fee to make sure that they can pay for their employee to do the work. That's reasonable. But their overall ability to scale their business with you is not built on your ad spend, but built on your revenue. And they build that revenue based across your entire business. So if they're tied to their success, 100% being related to your overall business success. If you're business partners and they're not just a vendor specifically trying to raise your month over month billing, that is somebody I would go with. Um, and if somebody says, well, look, we charge $10,000 a month and 10% of ad spend, fuck them, run the other way. Um, the next thing that I would say is if somebody is building their business model and when they're talking to you about strategies, they get really, really deep into complex architecture, they fundamentally don't understand the platform um, because Facebook does not work built around trying to solve, an solve problems in a complex way. Facebook is built around trying to feed the machine learning platform in a simple fashion to make small directional changes. Um, if they're not talking about things like the scientific method, if they're not talking about things like data, if they're not prioritizing creative testing, to understand and improve the customer journey, to bring incremental performance to your business. If they're not talking like that, then they're not, they're not somebody that you want to work with. The last thing that I would say is um, if they're not asking questions around uh, landing page testing, creative testing, and ultimately saying, all right, here's what I need to succeed. Who can I rely on from you to provide that? Or we can do it also. And that is really built around improving both on the Facebook side, the estimated action rate, the, the efficiency by creative testing, 
and on the landing page on, on the site side by testing landing pages and ultimately understanding your conversion rate optimization. If that is not in their conversation, then they are not trying to solve the problem in an effective way. So what I would really say is I would avoid people who are trying to solve the problem in a way that the platform is not built to function. I would avoid people that do not tie their billings to your overall business success. And I would avoid people that try to solve all of your problems or when they're trying to present their their proposal for a solution is not built on how can you work together to achieve your overall success with the rest of your partners. If people do not have, if people are not displaying that fundamental understanding of the platform and they are, um, and they are running their business model in a way that does not prioritize your business success, then I think those are giant red flags because at the end of the day, an ad agency is a long-term relationship. It should be you're hiring somebody to effectively be a department of your company because they can do it better than you can for a lower cost. If that is not what the relationship is built on, then those are toxic individuals you can just step away from on day one. Um, you're not outsourcing work. You're hiring employees. And so that's the way I would look at it. If that employee is not somebody that has your success in mind, then that's not an employee I want to hire. Even though it's outsourcing and contracting an ad agency, they're still a department of your company and they need to be treated that way and they need to treat you that way. So is it, does that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to finish with you off the platform because I don't want to take too much time, but um, I, I do want to go in depth with one slide I have because I need to start running ads soon um, because our competitors are actually using our keywords, our credibility to run ads on their, um, on their products. So I was like, you're losing access because you're not running the ads, driving that traffic back to your website. So I will connect with you and thank you for answering. Well, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank I really appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, feel free to message me. And if I can help you, I've got a slew of folks who can. So um, I will definitely do that. I'm going to move you back down to the audience here and we're going to take some questions from YouTube. And then I see Jared raised his hand. So I got Boon Me, I got Boost, and then I got Jared. Okay. Boon Me, if we should not be looking at CPC, CTR, and cost per ad to cart, how do we know when an ad is likely to be to do good besides sales? Or should we just spend a certain amount if no sale, then turn it off? Boon Me, I love that question because it absolutely challenges what you, what you, what, what, you know, the, the, the preconceived notion of how you should do things. So here is what I would say. We don't care about whether an ad is likely to do good. The purpose of an ad is to prove that it is reliable. Our goal is not to introduce more and more ads. We have a high confidence and hopefully they're going to do well. Our goal is to give Facebook the best available choices. And if that means that the existing stuff that we have is what we can rely on, great. Generally, the reason things fail is not because of the ad, it's because of the architecture. So when you're doing creative testing and you have something that's strong, if it does perform well, then you can rely, then you can start to scale the results off of that because it's scaling your overall success because your cost per acquisition is coming down. So you're getting better and better return for the dollars that you're spending. Your hundred bucks today that used to get you 10 sales gets you 12 sales today. As a result of that uh, growing efficiency, um, you're able to then spend into that so that you can scale not only, uh, <laughs> I, I, Jared popped into the YouTube comments as well. Don't you worry, Jared, I got you, buddy. Uh, you, not only are you scaling volume, on um, not only are you scaling the volume of your results because you're getting greater efficiency, but you're also then because your efficiency is strong enough, able to scale your spend. My point here is the goal is to build something that's really stable. When something is really stable, it performs, it, it performs as the control element. The purpose of your testing is to get something that reliably beats your control. If something is reliably outperforming your control element, it's something that you can invest more and more into. As you invest more and more into it, it may or may not effectively become a control element. 
And then there is this downstream way of how do you adjust between creative testing and control ads and how do you modify all of that stuff? It's honestly far too in-depth for me to answer right here. But the number one thing that I really want to focus in on here is your goal should not be trying to find new good ads. Your goal is to build a stable system where ultimately you get something that does better. So my point there is if the ad is not outperforming your control element, it should not be able to get enough spend to be a liability to your bottom line. And if it doesn't do good, if it is not an asset to your business, then you can get rid of it. Now, that might be ultimately what you're asking about besides looking at sales. And my point here is sales are all that matter. Um, CPC doesn't matter. I've seen ads with a $3 cost per click wildly outperform on your cost per conversion over ads that get an 80 cent cost per click. I've seen cost per leads that are $15, $20, far higher conversion rate than those that get $2. CPC, irrelevant. CTR, click-through rate, again, doesn't matter. A lot of times you get a really good click-through rate on an ad because the ad is clicky not because it drives conversion intent. Those are two very different things. Last, cost per ad to cart. Cost per ad to cart is interesting, but I don't care about driving a bunch of window shoppers that don't buy. If my cost per ad to cart is really strong, but my cost per purchase is bad, who gives a shit? And I've seen a lot of ads with a really good cost per ad to cart that never drive purchases. So there's something fundamentally wrong in that ad. The only thing that matters is more revenue, is actual desired conversion events. If I'm not getting a higher volume of desired conversion events, then I don't give a shit. And so ultimately what I'm talking about here is I would look at a certain amount of spend. I would say like by the time I spend enough for five or 10 conversions based on my control, say my control is getting sales for 20 bucks. By the time this other ad spends, you know, 50 or sorry, like 100 or 200 or more, if it's not on par with my control or better, what is my confidence that over the next $100 or 200 bucks, it's going to improve? So if I'm coming in at like a $30 after like 200 bucks, let's say I got seven sales at 210, but my control element says that I should have gotten 10 sales. How confident am I that over the next $200, I'm going to get 13 sales? So that I at least break even because that would ultimately bring me down to 20 purchases when my control element would also get me 20 purchases. If my confidence level that over the next level of investment, I'm not going to even be able to break even against my control, well, then I'm probably in a bad way. And, and so with that being said, that's how I would really optimize stuff. But if you're not, the purpose here is not to find ads with good cost per ad to carts. It doesn't matter what the CPC is. It doesn't matter what the click-through rate is. What matters is does it produce results efficiently enough to be considered better than my control? If the answer is no, then fuck it. Keep your control going. Uh, Boost, nice to see you. Boost, Boost F says, how do you test new creatives? Boost, um, I got a lot of videos on this stuff, but what I would really recommend you do, I think, is the, the, the number one tool to test creatives, and honestly, one of the number one tools you can run for any of your ads is dynamic creative. Best audience is 18 plus. So dynamic creative against your broadest audience, let it run, lowest cost bidding, see the whole funnel. That's the best way to test new creatives. And remember, the goal there is not to find the best ad to take out and then throw someplace else. The best, your goal there is, can you achieve an outcome in that dynamic creative environment that does better than the rest of your account? If the answer is yes, keep it going. If the answer is no, try to solve the problem differently. And I would really look at your creative testing by trying to solve very specific business problems. So what you would normally think about as like interest groups or demographics or psychographics you want to target, put that in your ads. I got asked a couple of weeks ago by somebody who responded back and is actually doing very well. Um, I want to target people in Spain that are cat owners. Great. Target Spain and your ads are all, do you own a cat? You're going to target cat owners because Facebook knows what's in your text. It knows what's in your video. It knows what's on your site. It knows what's in your images. They're scanning that stuff. The AI understands what is in the content of your creative. 
And it's remember, Facebook's number one objective is to keep people on the platform for as long as possible. It's around the estimated action rate. They want to show people content that's going to keep them on Facebook because that's their ultimate business model. They sell eyeballs for profit. That's their business. So with that being said, they're not going to show your ad to people that don't own a cat, right? If your headline is, do you own a cat? Buy this. It's not going to show it to people that fucking hate cats. Because Facebook's smart enough to understand that that person has not responded to any advertising that's like that. They're not going to those types of sites. Or maybe they are because they're buying a gift for somebody else, in which case Facebook's going to understand what they do. Because remember, Facebook is seeing your traffic on every single platform across multiple devices, across millions and millions of websites. Hi, Jacob. Jacob owns a cat. So if you want to target to Jacob, you can do that. Uh, hi, Jake. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. Uh, last question here. This comes from Jared. How do I tie my billing to, uh, into business success for my client? Is there a model that you suggest? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Jared. Um, there are a few businesses that do this really well. Now, I'm not going to give away how they all do it because every one of them has their own version of it. And honestly, every one of them has solved this in a way that makes sense for them. Here's what I would say. When I'm working with a client and I want to show the incrementality of my business, prove my value, I would go to them and say, do you have a projection of what the next three to six months looks like? And they're saying, okay, well, based on that, I think next month, this is our projections. And they should. Every business should have a quarter over quarter and year over year projection for their business. Your goal is to say, okay, that's our benchmark. If I can beat that, let me get a percentage of the incrementality. So for instance, if they're saying, I'm going to get a $10,000 improvement. So this month I'm doing 100 grand. Next month I'm going to do 110. The month after that I'm going to do 121. The month after and so forth and so on. In profit, right? Or in revenue, whatever their business model success is. Then you can say, okay, great. If, I, if you're projecting a 10% growth and I bring you a 12% growth, let me get you know 20% of that incrementality, right? So if you're thinking that you're going to get $10,000 extra this month and I bring you $15,000 extra this month, let me get 1,000 of that extra five grand, right? So then your success with your relationship with that, with that client is built on them growing as a business. Now, mind you, that is a smaller pie immediately. It's a smaller pie, right? Because then you're not charging 10% of an ad spend on all of their ad spend, right? Or 20%. But what if their ad spend's like 500 bucks a day? Well, if their ad spend's 500 bucks a day across 30 days, that's what? 15 grand? What's 10% of 15 grand is... 1500 bucks. If you can grow that business by $5,000 over their projected growth that month, you're going to make almost all that money. And because you're tied to their success and you have a good relationship, every month that incrementality is going to grow and grow and grow because you're doing a good job, which means in six months, you're not looking for a new client. In six months, that client is now paying you an extra thousand bucks, an extra 5,000, an extra 10,000. I've done this with brands um, often and it worked very well. One brand that I worked with specifically was very happy with a three X return on 600 bucks a day. After six months, they were getting a two and a half X return on 3,000 a day. I didn't charge them a commission on the ad spend. I charged them uh, incremental tax, basically. If I can bring you business above and beyond your projected growth, and us working together makes that happen, then let me get a piece of that growth because you're a business partner. And as a result, I made far more money from that client than I would on a commission on ad spend because we fundamentally improved that client because the quality of their email went up, the quality of their Google ads went up because I didn't need to prove the incrementality of my business based off of ad spend. As we worked together to build a strong business, I was able to be a business partner and ultimately see the upside of all of it, which fundamentally made me not the Facebook guy. It made me the business partner that was tied to growth. Now, that relationship went really well until ultimately they ran out of funding because they had only projected themselves for a year and a half of their current funding uh, 
but we had 5X the daily spend. And within like five months, they basically ran out of cash. So the owner of the company had to go out to their investors and try to get more money. And then they hired in somebody else to effectively be the CMO. They wanted to show like how strong and how cool they were. And they were a former Facebook rep. And well, that business fucking tanked and went back to where the Facebook rep, the guy that was running the account before it was on it. Um, and they went from 3,000 to two and a half X return back down to like 1K and then 800. And well, they did phenomenally well with me. And they went back to where they were before me. And the guy that they were paying is seeing less and less money because he can't justify more and more ad spend because his business goals are not aligned to their business goals. So anyway, that's the way I would try to do it. And really, that builds a much, much stronger sense of trust and understanding because you are talking to the businessman as a partner, as a banker, as a businessman or business lady talking about their success. And if you're aligned with their success, that means you get tied into other departments very well. So you're going to be able to start to have uh, you know, multidisciplinary strategy. Your Facebook campaign and the email campaign and the Google people and the organic folks, you're all tied together, which means you're fundamentally working as a department of that business. And as that business grows, you get a piece of it. It's effectively profit sharing. You're, just, you're building your contract as though as a profit-sharing employee. And if you're willing to do that and you deliver, you're going to have a client for a very long time. And that's what you want. You don't want to be spending your time making sales. You want to spend your time cashing checks because you did a good job. That's what's most important. So anyway, that's how I would do it, Jared. Uh, for you, that's what exactly what I would do. Um, that is not exactly how everybody else does it, but I don't want to give away everybody's secrets because I do know things that I've signed NDAs and I cannot do that. But that's what I would ultimately tie it to. Um, some percentage of incrementality of working with you is what somebody should pay you for. What value do you bring to that business? If you can prove that, they should pay you for it. And that means that your success and your paycheck is not tied to Facebook ad spend, which means fundamentally you can say, hey, look, right now the best thing for you to do as a business is to go dark on Facebook for a week. Sometimes that's the solution. Like, hey, we got a huge email blast going out. And we're, you know what? I think what we should do to make you the most amount of money is not spend in Facebook because that is an overall credit to your business. It's not an asset. It's a liability because that's spend. I don't think it's going to bring incrementality. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go dark for a minute. I'm only going to do retargeting. I'm going to let the, the Google and email team just fucking crush. Revenue goes up. Cost goes down. Profit margin goes up. You see more money. And it didn't happen because you spent more money on Facebook. It happened because you gave a fuck about your client. That's what I would do. All right, Freddie, it looks like you got the last question here. Uh, sorry, Fred E44. Do you drop a new creative for testing in a currently running CBO campaign or in its own campaign? If I drop a new ad in with current ads, they never get to spend older ads get. Love the question, Freddie. It fundamentally shows two things that I very much disagree with as a core basis of the argument. And I love that you asked it because this is going to give me the, a really great chance to give you actionable insight. Number one, I build creative testing campaigns. The purpose of that campaign, the sole purpose of that campaign is to test new creatives. Um, and to prove out, can my test beat my control? So the purpose of that campaign fundamentally is to not disrupt current business as usual, highly leveraged assets. So if I have a control campaign where I'm spending 90% of my dollars, I don't want to drop a new thing in there and see if it does well. I've got a testing campaign where I'm able to allocate money that I can afford by looking at my overall ecosystem ROAS. Again, going back to that MER, what can I afford to invest in growth and risk to try to find potential areas of opportunity? And if something does really, really well there, and it's really strong and it's outperforming my control. I'm not going to invest more and more. I can actually shift more and more of my budget to the point where it becomes a liability because it's now preventing me from finding a new solution and I've maxed out. So then there are moves I can make there. The second point, if I drop a new ad in with current ads, it never gets to spend the older ads do. My question to you is, 
Or my point to you is, who gives a fuck? If your performance is good, who cares? If your performance is bad, why are you running the old ads? You can get insight or you can get performance. I don't give a fuck where the dollar goes. I give a fuck about how much money we're making. A new ad can get zero dollars and I'll be completely fine with that if my campaign is performing well. If my campaign is not performing well, the question isn't why am I, the question is not why is my new ad not getting spent? My question is why is my bad ad getting all the delivery? Why am I investing in something that's a liability to my success? So I hope that helps. Because I, I feel like a lot of the problem that I see from folks is ultimately this issue that they're looking at things in the wrong way. And, and I think, honestly, a lot of the reasons that they're looking at things in the wrong way is because they were taught the wrong lessons by people that don't know what they're talking about. And, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help. So, Freddie, I, I hope that that answers your question. And, and so, again, to recap, do you drop a new creative in testing in a currently running CBO campaign? No. I drop a new creative in my creative testing campaign that is probably running on a CBO that I don't care. That like, so, so it doesn't affect business as usual. And when I drop a new ad and sometimes it never gets to spend that the older ads do who gives a shit. Is my performance good or bad? If my performance is bad, why am I older? Can't, why are my older ads getting any spend at all? If they're a liability in my success, why am I investing in them? And if I'm doing well, why do I want to break that to so, well, my new ad's got no spend, but I'm making a bunch of money. Shit, I don't want to be making money. I want my new ad to get spent. Seems pretty dumb, right? So I hope that's helpful. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, that helps a ton. What audience use for testing new creative? Freddie, this will be the last question of the day. Broad, age, gender, location, excluding only people that have converted. See the full funnel, win at the full funnel, get rid of everything else as performance dictates. That's what I would do. All right, everybody. That's the end of the week. It is, I've got five minutes before I got to go live inside the Slack channel. So I hope that's helpful. Please subscribe if you see them. Please follow me. Please DM me if you want any help. And let me know if there's anything else I can do for you because I am here to help you begin to win at Facebook, see more success and less stress. And uh, tag me in anything that you see where people might be giving bad advice and let me help set them straight. Um, I do not care that people see me as a liability to their business model, because if your business model is fundamentally built on predatory practices and a lack of integrity, I'm here to shut you the fuck down. Anyway, see you guys later. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. See you on the internet.